1914 at the beginning of World War I, the location that will become Colonial Heights was a wide expanse of poorly graded streets and vacant lots. But that would begin to change when the DuPont power plant opened in Hopewell. Homes went up overnight, Camp Lee was established, and the population grew to 2,000 within the next five years. The city of Colonial Heights had been born. It was 1917 when a Baptist named E.A. Vivaz and a Methodist named J.K. Fletcher founded an afternoon Sunday school under a tent on the corner of the boulevard and Richmond Avenue. It was from this school that Colonial Heights Baptist Church would be established. The tent was replaced by a small building to house the school, but within a few years the congregation found itself in need of a larger facility. In 1924, a building that would house 500 in classrooms and 600 in worship was completed at the cost of $55,386, what would be the equivalent today of three-quarters of a million dollars. No sooner had the construction ended than the Great Depression hit our nation. The burden of debt was almost too much to bear for the small community, but they were faithful and the Lord preserved their homes and their church. Additional educational space was built in 1955 and then again in 1962. By 1994, a new, larger worship center had been built and the original facilities had been refurbished and improved. It would be less than 10 years later that Colonial Heights Baptist Church would again be out of space and looking to grow beyond physical borders. In October of 2003, the church approved the purchase of 38 acres of land located at the corner of Jefferson Davis Highway and Harrogate Road. After 88 years of history in the city of Colonial Heights, the church moved to its new location and began a new chapter in a new millennium. But the story wouldn't end there. Once again, Colonial Heights Baptist Church found itself with an opportunity to grow even further and on Easter of 2013, reached beyond geographical borders with the launch of a second campus in Midlothian, Virginia, and became one church in two locations, the Heights Baptist Church. While we celebrate a rich history, we look ahead to the opportunity to have an impact in Colonial Heights, in Midlothian, in our community, our state, our nation, and around the world. All to reach one more with the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed that. I, I kind of think I'm a little bit biased, so I, I tend to think it's a pretty cool story. You know, folks, the, the story of our church, very interesting. Uh, great periods of excitement and, and growth and impact. Of course, we also have in our church history, our church story, a little bit of conflict and, and a whole lot of change. As a matter of fact, you saw the what was the, the larger worship center being built down at our other property. We moved into that. They moved into that in 1994. Well, and that's kind of where I would mark our modern history, if you will. But the five years leading up to 1994, there was, there was two major exoduses. There was two waves of, of people, literally in the hundreds, that left the church. And you know, 
you've ever seen that or been around it, they, why do people leave? They're angry, right? They, they don't like what they see. They don't like what's going on. And so right prior, before we started this new boom of growth, there, there had been two major waves of people leaving. Now, I can't speak to all the changes or conflicts that might have taken place in a 94-year history, but I, I know I can say this. There's no person, no pastor, no committee, no church. There, there's no human anything, right, that bats a thousand I mean, no, nobody gets it right all the time. So you've, you've got good changes and you've got some that weren't. You've got good decisions, you've got bad decisions. And the truth of the matter is a whole lot of things fall not in a good or a bad. It's just there in the middle. You know, it, it, it did what it did, whatever. And, and we kind of press on. But you know, the church tends to, I think, sometimes struggle with change. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. It, it seems to move away from what we know and, and, and what we like. But folks, as hard as it is, a, a church that doesn't change loses its effectiveness, loses its ability to reach people 100% of the time. Now, I think part of the reason we, we struggle as a church sometimes in, in change is because I think church people, don't you, we like our history. I, I mean, we're, we're grounded in history. We, we get our bearing on history. I mean, we do take all of our directives from a book that's two to 3,000 years old, right? I mean, clearly we are looking back. And not just in our theology, our doctrine, but I would say right here in our local church. Folks, I think a lot of what we enjoy and experience today, the opportunity that our church has today, is because of believers that came before us. Their faith, their obedience, their, their sacrifice. Some of those believers two, three, four decades ago, some of those believers still a part of our church today. But it was a, a work they did, a thing they were involved in that you and I are, are building on, that, that you and I are enjoying today. So I think at church, we have this very difficult task of, of walking this very precious balance between looking back and looking forward. Looking back and celebrating, enjoying and being tied to our past, but not so tied to it that we sacrifice our future. And so we move forward and, and we try to make these changes. And how do we make those changes? And do we like the changes? And what do they end up producing? You know, me getting up and talking about change should not come as much of a shock to anybody that's been around here for a while. As a matter of fact, if, if we look back at probably the last seven years, probably in the last seven years, we've had more change than in the prior 50 combined. I mean, we change everything. If you're, if you're sitting on it, you better hold tight because it'll change. I mean, think, we've not just had small changes, we've had big changes. And that's where sometimes it's really hard for a church. I mean, how many big changes can we go through? But folks, you think about in just a seven-year time period, we've changed locations. I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing in any church's story, in any church's history. We've changed locations. We've changed service times more than anybody in here can keep up with. I, I mean, one day I walked into the service. It was our first service. I walked in 10 minutes late because I was operating under the own schedule. The only problem is we had changed schedule like eight months ago. <laughs> and I still wasn't getting it. I can't keep up with the schedule. Of course, we changed from becoming or, or being a church at one location to being a church at two locations. And, th and then we changed our name. No, no, no. Actually, we didn't change our name. 
We are Colonial Heights Baptist Church. That, that's the name of this church. It's on the sign out front. We're not changing it. That's on all of our legal documents. We're not changing that. That is our name. But, but as we became a church in two locations, we discovered, you know, it's a little bit of a difficulty communicating you're named after one city when you're trying to work and operate in another city. And so we were looking, hey, what's a name that, that would be expansive, that, that would be inclusive? And that's where we kind of came up with that nickname, if you will. We shortened it from Colonial Heights Baptist to the, to the Heights Baptist, a, a not a focus on a geographical area. And you know what, folks? While going to two campuses is kind of what led to that, I think we were a little behind in doing that. Because, you know, this church for a long time, preceding me, going back, I would think, at least two decades has always had a focus on going well beyond its city. Has always had a focus at being a very regional church. As a matter of fact, thinking about this, this week I looked this up, I was shocked. I, I, I would have guessed a higher number. Only 24% of our church membership has a Colonial Heights address. 24%. Three out of four people that call this church home don't live in this city. Another way of thinking just about how expansive our region is. And, and folks, this is kind of unique. I started thinking about it in terms of high schools, the, the public high schools that we have students in, that we have families connected to. Now, now watch this. And those of you been here around the wall, around for a while, you, you can probably follow this on the map. We have students, and I, I got to count it out. I got to make sure I get them all. Dinwiddie High School, Prince George High School, uh, Hopewell, uh, Governor's Appomattox, Petersburg, Maggie Walker's Governor's School. Let's come back south. Uh, pick up Thomas Dale, of course, Colonial Heights, Matoica. Let's go back up north. We've got Bird, Manchester, Clover Hill, uh, Cosby, Midlothian. And are you ready for this one? Two weeks ago on Saturday, I was calling some folks that had recently been to our church, visited for the first time, and the person that answers the phone that had, had visited our church was a, a student, a, a young person. So I said, well, where do you go to high school? James River. And he didn't go to the Midlothian campus. He was here. James River High School. Folks, do you know the distance between James River and Dinwiddie? I mean, folks, we're talking about an area, depending on how you go. Which are, I mean, we're covering 60, 70 miles in the region that calls this church home. And so that's why I'd say, you know what? We, we kind of need a name that says, hey, we're reaching into all cities, all counties, all communities. Now, what I just did is I spent, I, I don't know how, I don't know why I look, I don't even wear a watch. But uh, I just spent two, maybe what, three minutes kind of explaining why we kind of went from referring ourselves as Colonial Heights Baptist to the Heights Baptist. You know, folks, I could, we, man, we could just go over changes after changes, big ones, small ones, and I could spend two or three minutes saying, well, this is why we did that. Or maybe on some of them, I'd spend 20 or 30 minutes saying why we did that. But I actually can speak to any and every change you've seen, whether it was the past year, the last, any, you say, well, you don't have a reason for that. Any reason. Yes, I do. I got a reason for everything. But there's one thing, one thing that guides everything we're doing. It's to reach one more. Now, I've never sat in a meeting where our only goal was to reach one person. <laughs> I mean, usually we're thinking now, would this reach dozens? Would this reach hundreds? Hey, could this reach a thousand? We're, we're usually thinking like that. But folks, when I open up the gospels, when I listen to Jesus talk about his father, 
I hear him talk about his father in Luke chapter 15, tells two stories to make the same point. The point being in verse 7 and verse 10. And this is the point he makes. Heaven moves for one. You know, that, you know that verse where it says that, that the angels in heaven rejoice over just one? You know, in that story, it talks about the father leaving the 99. You know, we're already in the group. We're already family. We're, already, this is, we're here because we like this song and we like this look and we like this, you know, what's done. Hey, the 99 that are already here says the father would leave all that to go get the one that's still lost. All of heaven moves to go get one. And folks, that's really try to how we try to evaluate ourselves. You know, okay, we made this decision. We made this change. We're, we're adding this. We're trying that. Is it getting just one more? You know, if you kind of look at what has gone on in the midst of all these changes, seven years ago, the year that we were at that big yellow church you just saw a moment ago that was about three miles down the road, seven years ago, our last year in that building, our average worship attendance was 1390. Nine. Really? We couldn't get one more? Man, really? $13.99. Seven years later, our average worship attendance last year was $22.25. Over 50% growth in making that move and in bringing about that change. Now, we could look at numbers a little bit more currently than just what's gone on over a big time period like that. The last three months, and of course we're not quite to the end of March, but comparing the Sundays that make up January to March of this year... Right now, we're running about 150 a Sunday more than January to March of last year. In the last seven years, we have baptized 1,002 people. Is that awesome? 1,002 people. Now, now, folks, everything I've been talking about so far, I mean, this is the stuff we think about and evaluate, Right? I mean, when you, when you go visit a church, you've just moved from one city to another, you're changing churches or whatever. You walk into a church and you visit one Sunday, two Sundays, several months. And what, what is the music? And what about that preacher up there? Well, he's a little different. Uh, you know, maybe we look at programs. Well, they have this ministry for my kids or they, they offer that. And then we kind of look at, okay, what, what all does it produce? Is the, is the church growing? What's it doing? Is it, is it doing things in the community that I would want to be? A, we evaluate all that. And then we decide, hey, is this a place I want to worship? Is this a place I'd want to I'd serve? Is this a place I'd want to give? Now, of course, you know, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, that's kind of what our focus has been. We've been talking about personal finances, measuring the mentality of the wolf versus the lamb. And, and of course, in the midst of that, we've talked a good bit about giving. You know, folks, I hope you would see, I hope you're encouraged today, challenged today, that you would see the heights as a great place to be able to give to God what belongs to God. That, that you would see this as a great opportunity to live in that area of obedience to the Lord. Now, when I give to a, a church, a charity, when I, when I give to almost anything, and there's a couple of things I want to know. I, I mean, I, we, we learned we, our heart follows our money, right? We care about what that money's doing, if it's being handled rightly. And so that's the first question. Is the money handled rightly? Is it managed well? The second question is, what's it do? What, what's, what's the money doing? When I, when I put it in the plate, what is it accomplishing? And then the third question is, is it making a difference? 
Let me try to answer those questions real quickly. Is the money being handled appropriately? Not the present budget year we're in, but the prior one. Two years ago, uh, we missed receiving budget by 1.9%. Obviously, that's not a big amount. That, that wasn't a showstopper. That, that didn't keep anything from happening. But we did miss receiving budget by 1.9%. But in that same year, we underspent the budget by 5.2%. So actually came out ahead. And then this present budget year we're in, now we're just about to end one. We run a fiscal year, April to March. And so two more Sundays will be done with this budget year. But at the end of February, 11 months into this budget year, we missed budget again. Right now we're about 1.3%. A little less than last year. Uh, Not again, not anything that's a showstopper, but we're 1.3% behind in receipts. But at the end of February, we were underspent on the budget by 5.5%. And so what that enables is two marches ago at the end of the March of 2012 budget year, at the end of that month, our checking account balance was 468,000. Last March, at the, as we came to a first year of not, not receiving budget, our checking account balance was 599000 And then a couple of weeks ago, at the end of February, our checking account balance was 921000 Now, folks, I'm not suggesting there's $921,000 sitting there we don't know what to do with. I have an idea. Have you all ever heard of Support the Han Fund? It's an awesome, awesome thing to do. No, almost all of that money, it goes somewhere in the budget. It's designated to certain places. But folks, there's not many churches, there are not many organizations of any kind that can miss receiving receipts over two years and see the checking account double in the amount of time. And of course, you remember last month that in the midst of these two years, we also made the announcement last month that we made an extra half million dollar payment to our debt, to our our loan on the church. So that would be some of the ways I'd say, hey, I think it's being handled rightly. But that's somebody from the inside. What about somebody from the outside? We do every single year for the last eight years, we pay pretty significant amount of money to have an, an, an accounting firm come in and do a complete audit uh, of all of our books. Not, not just if stuff adds up and it's going where it's supposed to go. Anything that's affected by money, the, the, the security systems, the software we use, the, the processes, anything that money touches or touches money, every bit of that is audited. And for eight years in a row, we've gotten the highest grades that the accounting industry gives across the board on everything we do. Eight years in a row, we've not been given one required recommended changes. So that's somebody from the outside, I think, that would say, hey, when you put it in there, regardless of where it's going and what it's doing, it's being managed by strong uh, biblical, ethical, uh, business conservative practices. So is it being managed right? I would say yes. What's it doing? Well, I hope you see that. I hope you see what it's doing from Sunday to Sunday, Wednesday to Wednesday, mission trips going out, whether they're going out into the, into the world or, or right here in our own community. You see your, your staff and what, what they're doing. But you know what, folks? That's a lot of what the budget is about. The, the budget breaks the money up into pieces and shows what that money is accomplishing. And I want to have some of our staff come and share a little bit about what that looks like. So would you turn your attention to the screen real quick?
The foundation for all of our values is our relationship with God and our commitment to His Word. All the other values we have are just what spring out of what we discover as we read and study and seek to submit ourselves to that truth. And our budget addresses that by providing for the preaching and teaching of God's Word week in and week out, for attempting to bring shalom to individuals, to families, to marriages through the counseling of God's Word, and for discipleship, for equipping the saints to do the work of ministry, moving people from being fed by other people to feeding themselves to being able to feed others from God's Word. Our objective is to model and inspire worship and prayer as a lifestyle that is both corporate and individual. While that involves more than just our time in the congregational setting, it does include those large group opportunities and is a part of our funding in the following ways. The development of the Celebration Orchestra and Choir, the Mosaic Band and the Midlothian Band, as well as the creation of a creative arts that oversees video production, social media, and branding. We live in a technology-driven age, and we are seeking to connect more people to the church through the use of lighting, sound, and visual arts. We believe God has called us to live out our faith through a community of believers. To that end, our funding includes purchasing curriculum and holding events for life groups, creating unique opportunities for growth with men's and women's ministries, and hosting reoccurring functions for senior adults and singles. We work together in our community and around the world to try to share the good news of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. In this area of our core values, it means things like our giving to the cooperative program where we work together with Southern Baptists all around the country to take the gospel into the world. Locally, it means things like our outreach ministry that includes Go Fish, evangelism training, and our Crestos projects where we take the kindness of God out into the community. Believing that God gifts and empowers us to serve Him, His church, and each other, we provide funding to equip and encourage people to find their place in the body of Christ here at the Heights. Our budget reflects our commitment through the training and developing of volunteers in a variety of roles in every ministry in our church. Our first touch ministry, which is our parking team, uh, people who greet on Sunday mornings at the doors, our security and medical teams, and also through our place training, a class that you can take where you will learn what your gifts and abilities are and how you can best serve God here at our church. We believe our calling as a church is to reach each new generation with the gospel and equip them to carry on the mission. This value is so important to us that the largest percentage of our budget goes to this area. For youth, we provide special retreats, bring in guest speakers and ministry teams, and supplement camps and mission trips for teens. Funding goes to the children's ministry in the form of events like VBS, providing the opportunity for children to attend kids' camp and for weekly programs such as kids' worship and puppet theater. We also staff our nursery, which helps provide childcare for church activities and events.
And what you just saw was six core values. Folks, those core values is what keeps us going back to God's Word so that as we look at who we are and what we're doing, that we make sure it actually lines up with who God said we're to be and what God said we are to be doing. And that guides, those six values guide every decision we make, including how we build a budget, how we, how we do our finances. And then that leads us to one last question. Is it making a difference? Yeah, there's a lot of things we might point to. Imagine some of you can say, hey, here's the difference it's made in my life. Here's what's happening in my home. And we could point to things around our community, around our world. But there's one way, I think, that's very significant of looking at the difference that it's making. Again, would you turn your attention to the screen? You know, folks, I, I'm glad you clapped. I'm glad you thought that was exciting. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was three or four weeks ago, we were, four or five of us were sitting in my office. We were talking about this. And Andy Huff, one of our pastors, presented the idea of, of doing a video where we would show all 156 baptisms. And I think be truth. I think there was one or two, the video didn't quite make it. So there probably a few shy of 150, but that was the attempt to show all the baptisms that took place last year. And, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's a little embarrassing to say. My first thought was, all of them? That sounds kind of boring. But we're just going to sit there and watch it over and over and over. And, and you know, I, I just was, I don't know what I was thinking. But then Andy said something to me. And, and I'll tell you something, folks, it really convicted me. It really convicted to me, and I, and I don't think I would be alone in this, that, that what we kind of take as normal and, and just kind of standard fare around here, you can forget how special that is. And, and what Andy said to me was, he said, you know, Pastor, you remember before I came here, I was at a church, and he called the name of it in Dallas. It's a church I knew very well, a good church, a, I think a church of about 1,500, a large church, a growing church. And uh, he'd been on staff at this church for, for three years. And he said, you know, in the three years I was there, total, I did not see 156 people baptized. And he said, you know, I bet there's people sitting in our congregation that have come to us in the last year, two years, maybe three years. And if they came from a church, they, they probably a lot of them out there hadn't seen 156 people baptized in one year. And, you know, folks, we can talk about the different things we, we want to see a church do, we want to see happen. But, folks, what that video represents is the God-commanded difference that we're to be making as a church. The, the, God, the God-directed difference that our lives and our work are to be making. You know, so many of you are, are so faithful to, to give to this church. You're faithful, you're obedient, you're sacrificial. You know what? I hope today is an encouragement to you. I hope it's an affirmation of the commitment you've already made to the Lord and to his church. I pray that today results in, in a whole new army of givers as we've gone through these last couple of weeks and maybe you're kind of evaluating, you know, what you believe about that and how you want to walk with the Lord in that and acknowledge these things that, that we've been studying but what I hope you see today is, folks, that we don't really have an option on whether we give to God what belongs to God, not, not without there being a consequence. We do have an option of where we give to God what belongs to God. And I don't know about y'all, when I leave today, I'm very grateful that I have the heights to give to God what belongs to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a, what a blessing to trust you, to acknowledge you, to worship you, 
And, and to be able to do that was something so significant to us as our, our money. And then, Lord, to see what you take and do with that and how it results in, in works and ministries in our lives, right? in our friends, our families, and throughout our community and our world. Lord, we have a lot of reasons that we're grateful for our church. I hope we're faithful to communicate that gratitude to you. You tell us, Jesus, in your word that to whom much is given, much is expected. And and you've given us much here. And we want to be faithful with every bit of it. And certainly gratitude is the first step toward faithfulness. Lord, guide all of us, not just in the area of money, but certainly in the area of money. Guide all of us in how we become a part of who you are and what you're doing in this place that we call the Heights. And Lord, may your hand and your blessing be on everything that goes on here. And God, I pray that everything we do results in one more coming to faith in Jesus Christ, walking through those waters of baptism, telling the world, I belong to him. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.